The following sermon, entitled Serving Christ as Servants and Masters, 34th in the series on the Book of Ephesians, the Blessed Church of Christ, was preached on the evening of December 4th, 2022, at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Redlands, California. If you enjoy listening to our sermons, we encourage you to come worship with us. For more information on upcoming service times and Bible study opportunities, please visit our website at hopeprc.org. Let's open God's Word this evening to the book of Colossians. We will read Colossians chapter 3 as well as chapter 4 verse 1, and we do so in connection with tonight's sermon on Ephesians 6 verses 5 through 9. The text, Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, our scripture reading, Colossians 3 as well as chapter 4 verse 1. Colossians chapter 3, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, Holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And now notice especially what follow the remaining verses in chapter 3 as well as the first in chapter 4. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, 
not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Thus far we read God's Word. The text for tonight's sermon is Ephesians 6, verses 5-9. through 9. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5-9. through 9. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of heart as unto Christ not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, Neither is their respective persons with Him. One of the characteristics of Scripture that continues to amaze me is how down-to-earth it can be in giving practical instruction to us as God's people. Certainly, there are other parts of Scripture that are quite exalted that set before us such unspeakable truths that when we read them and study them, we feel as though we are carried along, as it were, up into the heavens, the heaven of heavens itself. But not every Scripture passage is like that. Because while there's those exalted passages, there are also these down-to-earth passages that speak to us concerning the things of this life and how we are to live and walk as Christians. And the passage that we consider tonight falls into that category. For in this section of the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is giving practical instruction to different segments of the congregation, telling them how they are to live in their specific stations and callings. For example, the Spirit has led the Apostle Paul to teach us how to live in our marriages as husbands and wives. Then the Spirit continued by leading Paul to give instruction concerning the relationship between children and their parents. These are aspects of our lives. And now, the Apostle Paul continues that by addressing one more category, one more sphere of life. Namely, the sphere that is the workplace and the relationship between servants and masters. There's down-to-earth instruction for us here. But now, what makes this instruction so helpful is that even as it addresses 
something as basic and fundamental as our relationship with our boss and how we are to live as employees, Scripture still points us up. So that even in this aspect of our lives, we are to look to heaven and to remind ourselves, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm accountable to Him regardless of the position I have. So there's down-to-earth instruction that it engages a basic aspect of this life, but yet the instruction is helpful and that it gives us a heavenly perspective. And that perspective is that regardless of what position we have, we are to serve Jesus Christ. And so with that in mind, we consider tonight Ephesians 6, verses 5-9, through using as our theme, serving Christ as servants and masters. Serving Christ as servants and masters. First, the calling of servants. Second, the word for masters. And third, the principle for everyone, for all. The calling of servants, the word for masters, and the principle for all. This passage sets before us a calling for servants. We're going to look at this calling by considering who is in view here, what the calling is, how they are to go about that calling, and then most importantly, to whom this calling ultimately points them. First, who's in view here? That's servants. Verse 5 says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. And we could translate that just as easily as slaves because in the Greek word, there's no distinction between, in the Greek language, there's no distinction between servant and slave. It's the same word for both. And now when Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, slavery was commonplace for it was a part of the social and economic structure of that day. In fact, so prevalent was owning a slave in the Roman Empire at this time that scholars have estimated that there were somewhere around 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. And these slaves belonged to their masters, their lords, both from a legal and a physical point of view, and thus had the calling, the bit, the, they were required to do whatever their master told them to do. For some of these servants, slaves, there was the degrading treatment that we often think of when we think of slavery, but that was not true necessarily for everyone because some slaves ac- occupied rather important positions, especially those who belong to wealthy owners living in cities. That's who's in view here. And what's interesting is that the Apostle Paul, by inspiration, neither condemns nor condones slavery by itself. Certainly, when we look at our own history as a nation, and the slavery that was a part of our nation, and evaluate that through the lens of Scripture, it needs to be condemned. Because there is no biblical warrant for buying and selling people as though they are nothing more than a possession. Scripture condemns all forms of oppression and 
cruelty. But yet, the Apostle Paul here does not try to derail or overthrow the social and economic structure of that day. His word to servants is not, you need to all rebel and throw off the yoke of your masters. And his word to masters is not, you all need to free your slaves immediately. But instead what he does is he gives instruction with regard to how to live within that existing social and economic structure. Here's how to walk as Christians. In this aspect of your life, that pertains to your work. And it's in light of that that the sermon tonight is not about slavery and our evaluation of it, but instead we make application to that which most closely resembles the relationship between master and servant that we find today. And that relationship is that between an employer and an employee. A boss and a worker. Not because there's a direct connection. Employers do not own their employees, but nevertheless, employers do occupy a position of authority. And at least during the workday itself, from a certain point of view, the employee's time, his energy, his abilities, do belong to his employer. And so, tonight we will be speaking about servants and masters, but recognizing that the application concerns employees and employers or anyone in a position of authority. So that's who is in view here. What is the calling? The calling to servants, to employees, is obey your master, your employer. Verse 5, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. When it speaks of masters according to flesh, it's distinguishing the earthly masters and an earthly employer from the heavenly master. We'll say more about that later, but we're talking about one in a position of authority. And the calling is to obey them. And this word obey or be obedient is the same word that we found in chapter 6, verse 1 when we looked at the calling of children. Children, obey your parents. This is the word that refers to the duties of one who was a doorkeeper who at the sound of a knock at the door was required to go and answer that door and to let someone in if they had the right to do so. Servants, be obedient. That is, your master's voice is like the knocking on the door. And if he tells you to come, you come. If he tells you to go, you go. Do what he says. That's the calling here. And this is the calling for all who labor in the workplace. Who are under some employer. Do the work assigned to you. And do whatever task has been assigned to you. Because Colossians 3, verse 22 added, servants obey in all things. In all things. And now certainly, if your boss, your employer, is telling you to do something unethical or immoral, well then you ought to obey God rather than men. 
But in light of the language in Colossians 3, verse 22, as employees, we may not say, well, I don't really feel like doing that task. And therefore, decide not to do it. Obey in all things. Now, admittedly, that can be a difficult calling. Though I am a pastor now, I am not ignorant of what it is to be in the workplace. And I can remember working in the fast food industry and construction and being given some very unenviable and lowly tasks. And no doubt many of you know what it is to be given such a task. But the Word of God that comes to us is servants, employees, obey your employer. But now not only are we told what to do, this passage also tells us how we are to go about that. It gives us instruction regarding the manner. And there are really two main things here in view. On the one hand, the manner, the how, is that we are to obey with fear and trembling. Verse 5, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. And now by these words, the Apostle Paul is not justifying a oppressive, cruel, tyrannical treatment of servants or employees because later on he's going to have a word to employers that directly contradicts that. But instead, the idea of with fear and trembling is with reverence and with respect. And we could say this in light of another passage that addresses servants, that is, employees. For example, 1 Timothy 6, verse 1 says, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their masters worthy of all honor. Servants are to honor their Master, their employer. The next verse in First Timothy says, do not despise your masters. Have, have some respect for them. Have a proper attitude that recognizes their position of authority. That on the one hand is how the manner of obeying masters with fear and trembling that is with reverence and with respect. On the other hand, the manner in which servants are to heed this word is with sincerity and integrity. With sincerity and integrity. And we say that as a way of summarizing a number of different statements that are part of the instruction here in Ephesians chapter 6. For example, in verse 5, after we read with fear and trembling, the Spirit adds, in singleness of your heart. That is, in sincerity. And then in verse 6, he says, not with eye service as men please. It's not just to be seen of men and to impress your employer. And then in verse 7, with goodwill doing service. That is, with a, with a proper attitude as you go about your work. Three different statements, all of which come together to tell us that in the workplace, we are to serve our Master's with sincerity and integrity. Let's make that more concrete. In other words, as Christians, it ought not be that when our boss is around, 
We work with energy and enthusiasm because we're trying to impress our employer so that he has a high evaluation of us. But then, once he's gone, we slack off completely. We're lazy and fail to do our work. Then give another example. As Christians, it ought not be that when we're speaking with our boss, we we're kind to him, we kiss up to him almost, but then as soon as he's gone, we speak evil about him. We we spread discontent among the other employees. Such behavior of a Christian employee is entirely unbecoming. Because we are to be obedient to serve our masters in sincerity and in and in integrity. It should be that what our employer sees is what our employer gets at all times. Is that you? Is that me in my work as a pastor who is on? One, as one who is under the elders in the church. Do we work just to be seen of men? Or can it be said of us that we labor with fear and trembling, singleness of heart and good will? Insofar as this is not true of us, then the main reminder we need is the One to whom ultimately we owe this obedience. And that's to Jesus Christ. We've considered who's in view, servants, and thus employees. we considered the calling, the what, obey, serve. We've considered the how just now. And that brings us to the fourth thing, namely to whom are we to render this obedience and to this service. And the answer of the passage is that it's ultimately to Jesus Christ. And that's really a point of emphasis here in Ephesians 6. That's what stands out in this passage. And we see that consistently throughout. Verse 5, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Perform this servants, this obedience, as unto Christ. Same thing in verse 6. After stating it negatively, not with eye service as men-pleasers, here comes the positive, but as the servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. We're servants of Christ. We belong to Him and therefore we are to serve Him. And then again, in verse 7, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. That is, it's not first and foremost about serving my earthly master, but it's first and foremost about serving my heavenly master. And this is not the only passage of Scripture that sets before us this truth. This is the same thing that we see in Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verse 22 at the very end says that we are to do this fearing God out of reverence for Him. Verse 23, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Why do we work 
heartily? Why do we work with energy and enthusiasm? Because we're serving Jesus Christ. And then again in verse 24, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Could the Apostle Paul in these two passages possibly place a greater emphasis on this? Three times in each of these passages, he directs us as servants, as employees, to do our work unto Christ. Because the reality is that we are servants of Him. That's what we read in Ephesians 6, verse 6. But as servants of Christ. That's our new and fundamental identity. We belong to Him because He has redeemed us. He's made us His own. And therefore, as servants, as slaves of Christ, our calling is to devote ourselves, give ourselves to doing the work that He sets before us, serving Him in whatever station and calling He's given to us. And one of the main ways in which we do that is by serving and obeying our earthly employer. Because Jesus Christ is Lord of all, and He is the One who is given to each of us our respective bosses and employers. He's the One who has put them in that position of authority so that Christ is above all, and there's a line from Christ down to our boss, our employer, and then a line from Him down to us. And that means when we serve our earthly master, our boss, our employer, we are ultimately serving our heavenly master, Jesus Christ. That's the point being made here. And we are to have that perspective. And when we do this, makes it so that there's actually a spiritual dimension to the work that we perform in our day jobs and whatever calling God has given to us. And that spiritual dimension is even expressed in verse 6. In the end of verse 6, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. And those words from the heart are literally out of the soul. This is a spiritual activity. Serving Jesus Christ by serving and obeying my earthly employee or employer or boss. And I trust you recognize that this completely changes our perspective then regarding work. So that when I go to my job, I am to work energetically and enthusiastically at all times, whether there's my boss watching over me or whether there's no one around me. Because I'm not doing it first and foremost for my earthly employer, but I'm doing it for my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's with Him in view that I am to labor. In addition, it's this perspective that enables us to labor faithfully even when we have an ungodly and really a a miserable employer or boss. 
Scripture does call us still to labor faithfully in those cases. For example, in 1 Peter 2, verse 18, we read, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. There are froward bosses out there and we are to be subject to them, to labor faithfully. And we might say, but how can I? You don't understand that my employer is entirely unfair. He's a total jerk. And really, he, he's incompetent at his own job. How am I to labor faithfully for a man like that? And the answer of Scripture is that you look through Him. You look through Him in such a way that you really don't even see Him, but instead the one that you see is Jesus Christ. Because Christ is the one I'm serving, and one of the ways in which I can serve Him is by serving whoever it is that He has placed over me. We are to serve Jesus Christ in this aspect of our lives as well. And to do so out of thankfulness for all that Jesus Christ has done for us. For has He not served us? He did. For already in the Old Testament, it was prophesied about our Savior that He would be the servant, the slave of Jehovah. And when Jesus Christ came into this world, He told His disciples, I did not come into this world. The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister to give His life for a ransom for many. That is, I did not come to be served by others, but I came to serve others. And this was not just the Word of Jesus Christ, but He backed this up. He showed it in very deed. For what does He do at the Passover? He girds Himself with a towel. He gets down on His hands and knees and He washes the feet of His disciples. He performs the lowliest task that was assigned to servants in that day. And thus we read about our Savior in Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, that He made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant, of a slave, and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus Christ was the servant of servants. For He is the One who performed the lowliest, most unenviable task that was ever assigned to a man. For He became our sin-bearer. Understand the task that was given to Jesus was not that a giant pile of tedious paperwork was dropped on His desk. The task given to Jesus Christ was not that He was going to be the mule of a company of men who had to carry all the heavy equipment for miles upon miles. The task given to Jesus Christ was not that He had to 
clean up the, the most disastrous mess you can imagine. But the task given to Jesus Christ was that our sin and guilt was placed upon Him. And He had to bear it. He had to carry it. So much so that Scripture tells us that He was made sin for us. And what makes it so astounding is that he, this task was not given to Him against His will, but He took this task willingly. He, he volunteered for the job as it were. He became our sin bearer. And having been given our sins, having had those placed upon His shoulders, He carried that backbreaking, that soul-crushing load all the days of His life to the hill of Calvary. where He suffered God's wrath for them as a servant. He paid the debt as a servant. He drank the cup. Which is to say, as a servant. He paid the ransom. The required price to redeem us who were slaves to sin and the devil. And He thereby set us free from that tyranny, from that oppression, from that cruelty. He's liberated us. And He's made us His own so that we now belong to this Savior. We've become the possession of Jesus Christ. And now knowing that He has so served us, shall we not also then serve Him? We are His slaves, His servants. And that's a good thing. Because He's not like any earthly master here below, but He's the perfect heavenly master. His will for us is good. He's a a tender master. And knowing all that He has done in serving us and all that He continues to do for us as our Lord, out of gratitude for that, out of thankfulness for that, we are to serve Him. To obey Him. To live for Him. And one of the ways we can do that is by serving and obeying whatever earthly master, employer, or boss He has given to us. Not simply to earn a paycheck. Not simply to hear our earthly Master, say unto us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But we heed this word as a way of saying, Thanks, Lord, for coming into this world not to be served, but to serve and to give Your life a ransom for me. 
Let me say thanks. By now working hard in the calling that You've given to me. Our motivation is thankfulness. But not, not only is the, the motivation found in Jesus Christ, the strength to heed this Word is found in Him too. For of ourselves, we don't want to heed this Word. We don't want to obey that wretched boss that we have. And thus we cry out to Him. And in answer to our prayer, He gives us His Spirit. Not for the first time, but He strengthens us by His Spirit. And He makes us ready and willing by that Spirit to now heed this Word as servants, as employees, to obey, to serve whoever it is that's been placed over us in the workplace. And so it's with our eyes fixed on Christ that we are to labor in our respective jobs and callings. But now the Word in this passage is not only for servants and employees. Because this passage also addresses those in positions of authority. That is, there's a Word for masters. There's a Word to them too. And that's verse 9. Verse 9, And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, and so on. It speaks of masters, or you could translate it as lords. And what this tells us is that evidently within the congregation at Ephesus, there were some who had slaves working for them. And we see this elsewhere in the New Testament that there were people in positions of authority within the church. For example, Philemon. When Paul writes his letter to Philemon, it's about one of his slaves. And so there were some in the church in that day who had slaves working for them. And for us, the application is for all those who are in a position of authority in the workplace. Whether it's because you are a business owner, whether it's because within your workplace you've been given a position of authority, you're perhaps under a boss, but you're over many others. Whatever the case may be, there's a word of God. God's word addresses us here too. And it gives us both positive and negative instruction. Positively, the word to masters is this, and ye masters, do the same things unto them. And now, by these words, do the same things unto them, the Apostle Paul is not calling for a complete role reversal that the. Masters have to become the servants and make the servants to be masters. Paul is not trying to overthrow the economic and social structure of that day. But instead, when he says, do the same things, he's saying, just as your servants are to labor in such a way that they seek to seek your welfare, they seek to promote whatever it is that you are trying to accomplish. So now as masters with respect to your servants, 
You are to promote their welfare. You are to seek their good, even as they're called to seek your good. Do the same things. Do good unto them, even as they're called to do good unto you. This would include, for example, paying them justly and fairly. That comes out in Colossians chapter 4, Colossians 4, verse 1. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal. We're not to be stingy as employers, but we're to give a fair wage. Trying to take care of our employees from a financial point of view. This would include being good and gentle, kind to them. We say that in light of a passage we already referenced earlier, 1 Peter 2, verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. Earlier we mentioned there are these froward bosses and masters, but in contrast to that, there are some who are good and gentle. And that's what the Christian employer is to be. The good and the gentle. The one who's kind to those who work for Him. That's the positive. Seek their good. Promote their welfare. Do the same things. But along with the positive, there's a negative word for masters as well. And that's this. You masters do the same things unto them. Forbearing, threatening. Masters are not to make use of threats. This word comes especially to those whom Paul was writing in the church of Ephesus. He was saying, do not treat your servants in such a way that the way you try to motivate them is with threats. Unless you do this, I'm going to whip you. I'm going to beat you. And the application more broadly is that if we've been put into a position of authority, we're not to abuse that authority. We're not to abuse that power that's been given to us. But instead of having that negative approach, we're to have a a positive approach. Rather than holding out the prospect of this threat and that threat. If you do this, I'm going to... And then you fill in the blank. Instead, the Christian employer is to motivate his, his workers from a positive point of view. By paying them justly. By being that good and gentle boss. And encouraging them to work hard in that way. For is that not how Christ motivates us? The way He motivates us is not by threatenings. And now to be sure, Scripture does contain words of threat and words of warning. And those passages that are words of threat and warnings do come to us as God's children. Sometimes we need to hear them. We need to hear them to wake up to the, the reality, the seriousness of our sin. But even though Scripture contains those passages of warning and threats, they are not what drives our obedience. Christ does not sanctify His church by scolding His church into obedience. But instead, He constantly reminds us of all that He's done to serve us. 
He reminds us that He is our good and gentle Master, our Lord in heaven. And thereby motivates us to serve Him. And the point then is that for anyone who's been put into a position of authority in the workplace, we are to emulate Christ in this way. Not threatening our employees. Not being cruel or oppressive. But by being good and gentle, even as Christ is good and gentle to us. And as masters, as employers, bosses, we are to do that especially because we are accountable to our Heavenly Lord. And that's what comes out in the second half of this verse. The second half of the verse emphasizes before whom masters are to go about their work. Verse 9, the second half says, knowing that your Master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with Him. The Apostle Paul is reminding all those who are in positions of authority in the workplace, you too have a Master, you know. And not an earthly one that I'm talking about right now, but a heavenly one, knowing your Master also is in heaven. Masters, you too have a Lord. Someone who's above you. Someone who's over you. Someone in a position of authority. And therefore, you must not imagine that you are somehow autonomous. You're not independent. But you too are still under authority. And that means you're accountable to Him. You must give answer to Him. And understand, He is no respecter of persons. That's the end of verse 9. Neither is there respect of persons with Him. He's not guilty of favoritism. Which means He's different than we are. One of our temptations broadly, this is not just for masters, but for all of us, one of our temptations is to be blinded on account of someone's position or someone's family connection to us or their wealth or whatever it may be so that from our perspective, that person can do no wrong. And we give them a free pass even when there is clear evidence that there is some wrong that's been done. That's being a respecter of persons. And Scripture makes clear our Heavenly Lord is not like that. He is no respecter of persons. And in this context, it's telling us that He's not going to give earthly masters a free pass because of their wealth, because of their nobility, or whatever it may be. For He is Lord over both servants and masters alike. And that too is a part of verse 9. It does not come out in the King James. The King James says, knowing that your Master also is in heaven, And I do not know the explanation for this, but in the original, the idea is knowing that your and their Master is in heaven. 
There's one Master who is Master who's Lord over both them, your servants, and over you. And understand, He doesn't treat servants one way and then masters another way. But whether you are servant or master, He treats all of you in the same manner. And this is an important word for anyone in a position of authority in the workplace. Because the temptation is to think, well, because I'm the boss man, because this is my business, I can do what I want. That was the temptation back in the Roman Empire. In the Roman Empire, those who were masters thought, I'm not accountable to anyone. I can do whatever I want. Because really, the the government sanctioned this whole structure that we've been describing. And the reality is that they, they weren't. They weren't really accountable to anyone else. And still today, that can be a temptation to think it doesn't matter how I treat those under me because I'm the boss after all. This is my business. And it's over against that temptation that Scripture comes to those who are in positions of authority and says, knowing that your Master is also in heaven. You are accountable. You must give an answer. And not just to some someone who's a mere man, but to the heavenly Lord Jesus Christ. And as employers, as those who are in charge, we are to bear this in mind. We are to labor in the conscious awareness of this. Living before the face of that heavenly Lord Jesus Christ. And doing everything with Him in view. But now that really applies to all of us, doesn't it? Whether we're servant or master or something else altogether. There's a principle here for all of us. And that principle is that as Christians, we are to live before the face of God. Notice what we've covered so far. God's Word to servants is as you do your work, be obedient, serve your masters as unto Christ. That is, have Jesus Christ in view even as you go about your work. Live before His face in this sphere of your life. And then God's Word comes to those who are masters, to those who are employers, and says, remember, you have a heavenly Master who is over you. You're accountable to Him. You must give answer to Him. That is, even as a master, you are to be conscious of your heavenly Lord. Live with Him in view. And thus, the common denominator that connects both of these callings is this principle that all of us are to live before God's face. The principle here is that we're to live in light of the truth of Proverbs 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Thus, rather than going about our callings with a view to pleasing men, with mere eye service, we are to remember 
the most important eyes that are always upon me, even when I'm alone, are the eyes of my Lord. And I need to remember that in every aspect of life. For you see, this this applies to every single relationship. Not just the employee-employer relationship, but all of them. Because this has been implied in all of these sermons that we've been had the last couple of weeks with regards to our relationships. The calling of wives. According to chapter 5, verse 23, is wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Submit to your earthly husband as a part of your submission to your heavenly husband. And as for you, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. That is, in the same manner, but as a part of your love for Christ. Love the bride He's given you. And then when we came to children, the word there was, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey your parents because it's the Lord who put them over you so that there's the same dynamic of it's the Lord of heaven and you draw a line down from Him and you come to your parents and then there's a line down from the parents to the children so that the children are to obey their Lord in heaven by obeying their parents that He's given to them. But then there's the same calling for parents. Parents, you who are in a position of authority, you too are accountable. You're answerable to God and you are to represent Jesus Christ to your children. And now we see the exact same dynamic when we come to servants and masters. What connects all of them is this calling to live in the conscious awareness that I stand before God, that I'm to serve my Master in heaven. And it's even broader than those six examples. Every relationship. Sibling to sibling. Church member to fellow church member. Student to teacher. Teacher to student. Classmate to classmate. Government official to some citizen. And vice versa. In every single one of them, my perspective needs to be that I am to serve Jesus Christ in my relationship to anyone and everyone that He has placed in my life because I'm accountable to Jesus Christ for everything that I do, every interaction that I have with another person. And with all those whom God has placed in my life, I am to love them as a part of my love for Jesus Christ. That is the principle. Live before the face of God. Now because He knows this is so hard for us to do, He gives us some encouragement. And that encouragement 
is found in verse 8. The one verse we've largely passed over to this point. Verse 8, Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. This is held out as an encouragement. It says, whatsoever good any, that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. And the idea of that word receive is to receive as a reward. So that having done good in serving and obeying one's Master, a child of God can then expect to receive some good from the Lord. And this is even clearer in Colossians chapter 3, verse 24. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. So it tells us explicitly that there is a reward and that this reward is our inheritance. This is life with God that we are talking about. And now, obviously, this is not a reward that we earn. This is not something we merit by our obedience. But this is a reward that Christ has earned by His service, by His obedience, that's freely given to us at the end of a lifetime of service. And the Lord reveals this to us to encourage us. Because He knows how difficult this is for us. He knows how contrary it is to our nature to be obedient, to serve some earthly master. And thus He encourages us with the prospect of a gracious reward. And thus, as servants, as masters, employees and employers, and really whatever station and calling God has given to us. We are to seek to serve our Savior out of thankfulness for His service to us with the added encouragement that whatever good thing we do to men, we will likewise receive good from the Lord. So let us be diligent in whatever calling He's given to us so that when we arrive in heaven, we can hear our heavenly Lord say to us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Our Father which art in heaven, we thank Thee for the clear guidance and instruction that Thy Word gives to us. And we pray that Thou will apply this Word unto our hearts, cause it to bear fruit in our lives, and help us always to remember the saving work of Thy servant Jesus Christ on our behalf. Help us always to remember that He is our heavenly Lord before whom we all must stand. And in light of the so gracious salvation that He has accomplished, make us ready and willing 
to do all things heartily as unto our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear this prayer for His sake. Amen.